your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading starting off verses 1 through 6. 1 through 6 this morning. Hallelujah. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or manner of life in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we, when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now turn over to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. I'm going to go through verses 1 through 10. It says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Verse 5. Mortify. Therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in the which also you, you walked some time when you lived in them. But now you, you also have put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Hallelujah. Now, how many here desire to have a close and intimate relationship with God? How many desire that? You know, if you can't say yes to that question, it's one of two things that are going on. Either, number one, you're not born again. Or number two, you're very backslidden. Amen? Either number one, you're not saved. Or number two, you're in a very backslidden condition. And you've let the world take that fire that you once had for Jesus away from you. And so, so many Christians have cast off the kingly robes that Jesus put upon them. And then they took off the kingly robes and put on the rags that the world has to offer. The rags. I said the rags the world has to, has to offer. Every Christian should have a desire, a drive to have a closer relationship, a closer walk with our Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Yesterday I was walking around here in prayer, and, uh, you know, I, I was seeking the Lord on the message. It seems like the message always comes to me on Saturday for some reason. You know, I... Sometimes I try to get it earlier. I'm like, Lord, I want, let me get this thing done earlier, right? And it, it seems Saturday is the day, all right? So it's a fresh word. But as I was walking around in prayer yesterday, uh, 
I was praying for myself, for the people of RCC, for the whole body of Christ, that we would have a close, intimate walk with our God. Isn't that what God desires of his people? A close, intimate walk. Now, and I asked the Lord, Lord, give me keys on how to accomplish that goal. Give me keys in my message that will help others draw closer to God and have that relationship with him. And uh, so the message that I'm going to share with you today, it came to me in a flash. That's all I can say. You know, when you get revelation from the Holy Spirit, it, it, it just comes quick. You understand? It comes quick, but it's like a whole, I mean, he gave me the outline of the whole thing like that. So I, came, I was up here walking around. And I had a pad of paper and a pen, and I'm just walking around, you know, whoa, man, Lord, that's good, you know, writing this thing down. Don't you love it when God does that? Is there any spirit-filled Christians in here this morning? You got speaking tongues, right? You know what I'm talking about when the revelation just flows and flows? Hallelujah, when you're praying in the spirit. Now, uh... Someone says, yeah, I want a relationship. I want that close walk with God. Great. But it's going to cost you something. It's not free. Having that close and intimate walk with the Lord is going to cost you something. You say, all right, well, what's that price then? What's it going to cost me? Everything. It's going to cost you and I Everything. If we want that close and intimate walk with the Lord that the Word of God speaks of, that all of the saints of God in the past who's had that walk with the Lord, it's going to cost you and I everything. Go to Mark 8. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 8. And I'm looking at verses uh, 34 through 36. So you want the close relationship, huh? So we know you got the talk, but now do you have the walk? Are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to give up what God wants you to give up for that close and intimate walk and fellowship with him? Look at this, Mark 8, 34 through 36. And when he had called the people unto him, uh, people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, this is Jesus talking, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. That's why I said many people have cast off the kingly robes that Jesus has put upon them. They cast them off to put the rags of the world back on them. Taking up your cross is talking about laying aside your will and yielding to God's will for your life. It means putting aside those things that are hindering your relationship with your heavenly father. Taking up the cross means that you're willing to crucify your flesh. Your fleshly desires that are daily trying to pull you away from God and the word of God. Taking up your cross also means 
not allowing fear to stop you from sharing the gospel message with others. Oh, there's so much that you can preach on about taking up the cross. And this is the message that the Lord has given me today. And, and I want to go in. The Holy Spirit showed me this. That before taking up the cross of Jesus Christ to crucify your fleshly desires, to forsake your own will, you too must have a Gethsemane experience in your life. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus, before they came to get Jesus to crucify him? He was in the Garden. Luke twenty two forty two. Jesus said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. But it doesn't stop there. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be, be done. We, before you can come to the point of taking up the cross, you've got to be found in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Amen? There must be a brokenness in you, a surrendering, a forsaking of your way and yielding to God's way. Psalms 51, 17 says this, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. God is looking for a people who's broken. That they're not, they're willing to stop going their own way, but yielding to his way. And it's not a comfortable experience taking up your cross and following Jesus. So if you're looking for comfort, you're in the wrong place. Amen. But I ask, as Peter asked, Jesus said, Peter, are you too going to forsake me as the others did? And Peter said, Lord, where would I go? So my question to you also is, okay, if you're not willing to do this, where are you going to go? Are you going to go back into the world and forsake everything that Christ has done for you? Oh, come on now. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, thou will not despise. In other words, that brokenness, that contriteness, stop doing your own thing and you're yielding to God, just as Jesus wept in the garden. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It says here that God will not despise that, but he will meet you there. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Now, we read in the Old Testament where people made idols and images and worship them. And we think, boy, I'd never do that. You know what I'm saying? I'd never make a, a golden image and, and, and bow down to that thing. Oh, but all along you have an idol in your heart, such as money. How about your job? How about selfishness? Choosing worldly pleasures over God. Now, you might not make that golden image and get on your knees and bow down to that thing, but guess what? There's an image in your heart. And part of that brokenness that God wants is breaking down the idols in your life. What's an idol? It's what you put in priority over God. When the Holy Ghost is tugging on your heart telling you to go off and pray, you turn the TV on instead. Idol number one. Good Amen. When God says, I want you to support this outreach, and you go and do something else with that money, idol number two, how bad do you want that relationship with the Lord? There's a price to pay 
Benny Hinn talked about, and I told this before, but I see some new faces. I'll say it again. Maybe we'll bless you. Benny Hinn once, great healing evangelist. He was going to do a, a healing meeting one night in Detroit a few years back in Joe Louis Arena. And the Lord, he, he, he was eating uh, breakfast or didn't, some breakfast, I think, with his uh, cousin from Detroit. And he was sitting there in breakfast with his family member. And he said, the Holy Ghost was telling me to go to the hotel room and pray. He goes, Lord, I'd look foolish. What am I going to tell my family member? Wouldn't that be kind of rude to get up? Guess what? He stayed there. He went to the meeting that night, and it was like a wet blanket was on that meeting. The presence of God was nowhere to be found because of that lack of obedience. So part of that brokenness includes breaking the idols in your life. There must be a surrendering. Brother, sister, all of the praying that you're doing to try to get out of God's will in your life must cease. Stop. You're spinning your wheels. It's going nowhere. Surrender to the will of God and what he has shown you and what you're supposed to do with your life. Amen? Amen. See, the deception is this. If I do what I want to do, I'll be happy. But the reality is, if you do what you're called to do and what God's created you to do, that's where the happiness lies. That's where the provision for your life is waiting for you. Hallelujah. See, there are some listening to me today, whether on the radio, internet, or maybe even right here in this congregation, that you know what you're supposed to be doing with your life, but you're fighting the will of God. It's like hitting a brick wall. Stop praying for God to do something else. No, his will's not going to change for your life. You need to just jump in the river and go with the flow. Amen? You've been hitting a brick wall in life, wondering why nothing goes right for you? You need to get on your knees and seek the Lord. Find out what he wants and go for it. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you take up the cross and you're walking toward Calvary, as Jesus did. Remember Jesus? You too, as Jesus was, you will be spit upon and made fun of for following the will of God for your life. It's not an easy road. Don't expect it to be easy. It's not going to be. Jesus was spit upon, made fun of, persecuted. But you know what? Just expect it. It's not an easy place, but it's the best place for your life. And like I said, my question to you is, where else are you going to go? Everything that you need is found in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the will of God. Anything outside of that, you're just hitting your head against a brick wall going nowhere in life. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, the fleshly nature and the spirit man are constantly warring against each other in the Christian. You see, but sinners don't have that problem because that sin nature is still in their spirit man. So their spirit man and their flesh hook up and they sin. That's all they know how to do. But for the Christian, we have a choice now. Whether we're going to live our life according to the fleshly desires or according to our spirit man that's now born again because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Come on, you can overcome sin in your life if you're a Christian. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. That's the grace of God, what puts you over the hump in life. The strength, the ability to overcome sin in your life. Now, I want you to think of this. The Christian is supposed to crucify the flesh. Or in other words, don't be controlled by your fleshly or sinful desires. Think of this. Every time you as a Christian choose not to sin and you choose to obey God, it's like putting a nail in the fleshly or sinful desires. Just as Jesus was crucified, just as the nails were driven through Jesus' flesh, you're driving nails through the fleshly desire when you choose to obey God in life. Remember, Jesus lived a sinful life on this earth. Amen? Amen? Come on, that's the crux of the gospel right there. If Jesus didn't live a sinful life, we're here in vain. But the Word of God says that He lived a sinless life on this earth. Yet, when He was on that cross, He took the sins of the whole world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. See, He didn't sin. He was sinless. That's why He's called the spotless Lamb of God. No sin. But when he was hanging on that cross, the Heavenly Father transferred all the sin upon him. Amen. That we, why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, go to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Oh, I haven't even got to the meat of the message yet, by the way. I'm just laying a foundation right now. I'm just laying the foundation. What the Holy Spirit revealed to me is coming up. Romans 8, 13 through 14. It says, For if you live after the flesh, or after your sinful desires, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify or cut off the life source of the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Mortify or cut off the life source of the flesh. Don't feed on it. Don't feed the flesh. Don't make provision for your flesh. Right? You got a problem with internet pornography? Get rid of the internet. Amen? Don't feed your flesh. The Holy Spirit, it's interesting, verse 14. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know, we, we use that in reference, which is rightly so. We as Christians can be expected to be led by the Holy Spirit, right? As children of God, we can be expected to be led. But look at the context that's in here. It's talking about not living according to the flesh. It said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Meaning the Holy Spirit's going to help you to overcome the desires or the temptations of the flesh. The Holy Spirit's always, if you're going to submit to the Holy Spirit, you're always going to be overcoming the temptations of the flesh, of the sinful nature. Amen? Now, now, I want to share with you the steps that you need to take to crucify your flesh and to have that intimacy with God. I had a vision yesterday as I was praying now. I had a vision of Jesus hanging on the cross. 
And the Holy Spirit gave me some points from Jesus' crucifixion to share with you about crucifying the flesh in our lives as Christians. So let's begin here. Think about Jesus hanging on that cross. Jesus had a crown of thorns on his head, did he not? This is symbolic of controlling your thought life. Now, listen, I've been hammering on the thought life probably for the last few weeks, haven't I? But I don't make one apology for keep going over the same thing. I'll go over the same thing every Sunday if the Holy Ghost leads. Amen? Because when the Holy Ghost tells you to do something, it's profitable for the kingdom of God and for you. Amen? So, the crown of thorns on his head, this is symbolic of the thought life. God wants us to include him in all areas of our life, including the thought life. If we would constantly have him in our thoughts and meditating on the word and allow the word of God, allow him to consume our mind, the devil wouldn't have any place to sneak in because it'll be filled with the word, filled with thoughts of God. Whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is of good report, think on these things, Philippians chapter 4 says, right? If you want an intimate relationship with God, it will begin in your thought life by meditating, thinking upon the Word of God. God should be in all of our thoughts. See, that's what he means by Proverbs 3, 6 when he says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him doesn't say some of them. It doesn't say just acknowledge him in the important things of life. It says in all of your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, I want to be the first thing that's on your mind. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, this includes your emotions. Don't let your flesh take control of your emotions. Go to Ephesians 4.23. I want to show you something here. Ephesians 4. 23. I'm talking about crucifying the flesh this morning. What does it mean? The Holy Ghost gave me some points, some, some points that we need to think upon. If we really honestly want that close walk with him, these are some keys that we really need to pay attention to. And this is not an exhaustive message. You know that. I mean, you could go on forever about this topic, but I can only do it within a you know, short amount of time here. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4.23 it says, and be renewed in the spirit or attitude of your mind. Look at verse 26 of Ephesians 4. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You know, it says be angry and sin not. It's possible to be angry without sinning, right? How many of you know that God created emotions, right? And uh, so, but he expects you to, and I to have self-control. Remember I talked about self-control last week. We need to control them. And we need to, to have them under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Now, uh, 1 Corinthians 3. Go there. I'm going to run you through the word a little bit. Is that all right? 1 Corinthians 3. So husbands and wives, quit throwing things across the kitchen. Get control of that flesh. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and if you can't control it, come see me. We'll cast the devil out of you. Hallelujah. Uh, glory. That was a joke, people. You can laugh. 
Although maybe someone in here does have a spirit of rage, spirit of anger, and they need deliverance. Amen? Amen. Now, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3. Maybe you didn't laugh because maybe that's you. <laughs> that was a joke, too. Come on now. I'm not getting any, uh, anywhere here. All right. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Look at this. Now, this is what I want to pull out here. Verse 3. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions... Are you not carnal and walk as men? That always hit me there where it says, are you not carnal and walk as men? In other words, we're supposed to walk higher than the world's standards. Amen? Amen. That's where the, where the Word of God says that we can walk and be partakers of the divine nature. You see, when you're a Christian, you have the love of God on the inside of you. You need to let the love of God that's in your spirit dominate your life. Amen? So, control your emotions. Control your thought life. Keep God in all. You know, if you keep God in all your thoughts and you keep the word before you, uh, I, I, I can guarantee you, if you're diligent about doing that, you will notice a difference in your actions. You will notice a difference in your life. You can't help but keep the word of God in front of you and in your heart and not change. If you're, and if you're serious about making things right with God in your life, if you're serious about living a holy life I'm talking about, right, you will notice a change in your life. And you will find those areas where you weren't able to control that, that stronghold's coming down because the Word of God is in your heart and in your life. All right, next. And when the Holy Spirit revealed to me about the crown of thorns, I pictured blood flowing from Jesus' head into his eyes. We need to be careful what we watch. We need to be careful what we're looking at. What goes through your eye gate will greatly affect your relationship with God. You see, Satan and evil spirits know the power of sight. Hence, the lust of the eyes. Amen? Satan knows exactly how to tickle your flesh. Did you find that out? That's why he's called the flesh devil. He's all, he knows your weakness. He knows your weaknesses. And he will stop at nothing to try to tickle that flesh and try to rile your flesh up. Amen? Amen. So we need to be careful. What movies are you watching? What material do you read? What are you looking at on the internet? I mentioned it a minute ago, but turn there. Proverbs 4.20. Proverbs 4, verse, verses 20 and 21. We need the keep, to keep the word of God in front of our eyes always. You know, it, it might even do you some good to carry around some flashcards, small flashcards. Write Bible verses on them. Keep small flashcards. You know, at, on your lunch break or whatever. Pull out flashcards. When I used to work at, in a customer service job on my desk, I'd put those flashcards, lay them all out. People thought I was a Jesus freak. And guess what? They're right. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I care less what they think. 
Keep the word of God in front of you. Look at this. Proverbs 4, 20 through 21. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Then 22 goes on to say, For they are life unto those that find them in health to all of their flesh. Hallelujah. So keep the word of God in front of you. And also, doing this, it's going to help you to get to know your Heavenly Father better. Amen? It'll help you to build your confidence, your faith in Him. And it'll choke out the lies of the enemy. All the lies that the world and Satan are trying to feed you, they'll get choked out because the Word of God is abiding in you. You know what the word abide means? It means remaining, to dwell in. It's staying there. Let the Word of God find its home in your heart. Amen? Now, hallelujah. So now the Holy Spirit showed me. So he showed me the blood from the crown of thorns going into the eyes. Boy, we got to watch out what we're looking at. Then I seen blood dripping into his ears. I seen blood go into his ears. And uh, we need to be careful what we're listening to. The words that enter your ears can either strengthen your spirit, man, or poison it. Did you find that out yet? Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, guess what? Unbelief comes the same way. By hearing it, hearing it, and hearing it. What are you feeding your spirit? What are you listening to? Amen? How do you think people who once believed in the truth of God's word, such as topics of the Holy Spirit baptism, tongues, divine healing, spiritual gifts, how do you think they've fallen away from hearing unscriptural teaching? They submit themselves to unscriptural teachings, and that's all they're hearing every Sunday. Well, how do they expect to stay built up on the basic foundations of the word. They're going to fall away. And they were persuaded not to believe it because of the poisonous words. Remember this, and you might want to write this down. Words are containers. They contain either spiritual nutrition or spiritual poison. In the sermon I did on the power of your words, I said, remember I told you that words are a spiritual force. They are, because words originate in your spirit, man. Amen? They're a spiritual force. They either contain spiritual nutrition or spiritual poison. It's that simple. No, there's no other way around it. And then the word of God, Jesus even warned us. He said, be careful how you hear. Remember that? Make sure your attitude is right and mixed with faith in God's word. Make sure that faith is mixed in there with God's word. Be careful how you hear. So now, so I seen blood flow into his eyes, blood flow into his ears. And then I seen blood flow into his mouth. Many Christians are pushing God away because of the words that they speak. The gossip they partake of. The lies. And murdering others with their tongue by backbiting. Go to Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29. 
There it is. Ephesians 4.29. So, I've seen the blood flow into his mouth. And Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Well, now, what's corrupt communication then? Corrupt communication, anything that's not in line with the Word of God. Amen? It just doesn't mean here letting the four-letter words fly out of your mouth. Well, that's part of it. Corrupt communication is anything that contradicts the Word of God. Remember that. See, we always try to, you know, excuse ourselves and, and slap. Well, corrupt communication just means telling dirty jokes, right? Well, no, it's anything that contradicts the Word of God. Amen. Anything that dishonors the word and what God has said. And so, Proverbs 15:4. Turn there. Show you this. Proverbs 15:4 gives us an incredible principle from the word about words. Proverbs 15, 4 says this, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. In other words, your words can bring healing to people. Let me ask you this, are you a restorer or a destroyer with your words? Are you there to build people up or tear them down? Are your words building up the kingdom of God, or are they destroying the kingdom of God? Are your words glorifying Satan's kingdom, or glorifying God's kingdom? Something for you to think about and chew on. Psalms 34. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalms 34, verses 12 through 14. Listen to this. How important are words? Oh, words aren't important. All that word of faith stuff is a bunch of baloney, right? Well, first off, let me remind you, word of faith is describing the Bible. Romans chapter 10 talks about the Bible as the word of faith. We're not talking about a denomination here, amen? The word of faith describes the word of God. But look at this. How important are words? Why do, why do we hammer on this so much in charismatic circles? Psalms 34, verses 12 through 14. It says, What man is he that desires life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So just how much... Weight does God put on our spoken words? Well, it says if you want to see life and see good days, your words better line up with the word of God. Amen? It's getting real quiet in here. Huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 2.8. So now, the Holy Spirit showed me that Jesus... His hands were crucified. What does this mean about crucifying the flesh? 
1 Timothy 2.8 says, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I want you to notice that that scripture says holy hands. Hands that are set apart for the plans and purposes of God. The word holy means to be separated unto. Separated from the world, from the world unto God. For the purposes of God. See, there must be purity in your life as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God must motivate your hands. The love of God must motivate the work of your hands. Look at Ephesians 4.28 here. Turn there with me if you have it. Bible with you. You see, one thing that I've noticed between different circles in the Christian faith different denominations, I find that some, they say, well, you know, God's just going to do everything and we have no part in it. One of the major characteristics that I've found in the Word is that mankind has a huge responsibility to play on this earth. Amen? And this is one of them. Ephesians 4.28 says this, Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands that thing which is good. Why? Why, Lord? Why do you say that? Well, it goes on to say, that he may, uh, may have to give to him that needs. How are you using your hands? Are you using them, like I said, to build up the kingdom of God? Or are you using them to tear down the kingdom of God? Are you using them to build God's plans or building your own plans? Amen? Now... Uh, I want to, uh, you to turn to Psalm 24. Psalm 24, 3 and 5. Psalms 24, verses 3 through 5. Listen to this. Who shall ascend or go higher into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity or worthless things like worldly things, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. It's interesting, it says, who shall ascend into the hill? And it's interesting, every time I read that, I think of how Moses, how God was calling him up the mountain. Remember that? God called him up the mountain. Remember, in the presence of God, met him there. And when Moses came down, it says his flesh was, shi was shining like the light. Amen. So, who is the Christian that's going to go higher in the Lord? Who's going to have the presence of God saturate their life? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no way around it. Next, Jesus' feet were pierced. Be careful where you go. Remember this as a Christian. 
Everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit's going with you. (laughs) The Holy Ghost is taken along with you if you're a Christian because he lives inside of your spirit, man, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you better think twice before you go to take him into some place that is not glorifying to Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. And also, with the feet, we need to promote God's interest on this earth. Ephesians 6.15 says, Let your feet be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, I learned this down at Ramah. You know what God's spiritual interests are? They're threefold on this earth. Write them down if you want to and, and, and think about, meditate upon this. God's interests, spiritual interests on this earth are threefold. Number one, of course, to get the lost saved. That is, I mean, number one, get, let's get the lost saved, right? Let's get them from the road to hell. Let's get them on the road to heaven at least. Amen? It doesn't stop there, though. Number two, let's get Christians baptized with the Holy Spirit. Come on. God wouldn't offer it if it wasn't his will for it to pour it out, pour them out. Amen? It's a second experience. Jesus says the purpose of it is to be a powerful witness for him. Amen. So don't think that God's not interested in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Yes, he is. Or else he wouldn't have provided the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Number three. Well, first off, yeah, yeah, you're right, Holy Ghost. Lord told me to tell you that's why there's so many weak Christians who are so afraid to preach the gospel, to talk to people about Jesus. Amen. There's too many Christians who only have half of the benefit. They're missing the second one, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. They need that, and the Holy Ghost will give you boldness. How many of you testify to that? Amen, hallelujah. Number three, God's interested in spiritual growth for his people. Let's get the lost saved. Get Christians baptized with the Holy Ghost. Let's grow spiritually. Don't don't be content where you're at spiritually. We can always grow more, amen? Amen. Lastly, the Holy Ghost showed me this. When Jesus was on that cross, Jesus was pierced in his side, and water and blood flowed out. Let the water of the word saturate your spirit, so that when you're pierced or squeezed in a circumstance and situation, the word of God will flow out of you. Now, go to Colossians 3.16. When, when the squeeze is on, when the squeeze is on, the word should come out of you. Amen. Are you a sponge for God's word? Amen. Colossians 3.16 says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That word richly means abundantly. Let it overflow out of you. And then it says, in all wisdom. You know what wisdom is? I'm going to be preaching on this in the near future here on wisdom. But in a nutshell, wisdom is this. God's word applied to your situation. Not just hearing it, but now doing it. That's wisdom, right? So Jesus was pierced in the side, water and blood flowed out. Hallelujah for that. 
And he was showing me we got to stay filled with the water of the word. Be sure that everything that you allow to enter your spirit, man, passes the blood test. Make sure it agrees with the blood of Jesus and the word of God. And if it doesn't, it doesn't belong there. Get it out. Get it out of your life. Make sure it passes the blood test. Amen? All of these points that I've given you today require commitment, consistency, and discipline. But listen, if you're hungry enough for an intimate relationship with your heavenly father, you'll do what it takes to achieve it. But not just to achieve, but to maintain it. The whole point of living a crucified life is found in John 3.30. Turn there. I want to show you that. So what's the whole point of crucifying yourself, your flesh? It's found in John 3, verse 30. And it can all be summed up in this one verse. Why die to your will? Why take on God's will? Why, why uh, neglect all these worldful, worldly things? Why? Why? John 3.30 says this, that he, Jesus, must increase but I must decrease. Amen? That's the whole point of crucifying the flesh. So you, your wants, your desires can decrease so that the Lord Jesus Christ can increase. Can you say amen to that? Let's all stand in this place. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Lord Jesus, we want you to increase in our lives. Oh, let us just fall along the wayside. All the junk that you've been holding on to. And you know, there's some people in here that know the Holy Ghost has been dealing with you long before this message was ever formed. You know the things in your life that you need to get rid of. You know the changes that need to be made. But does God mean enough to you to make those changes? Does it mean enough to you to make Jesus Lord of all see there's a saying that says if Jesus is not Lord of all of your life he's not Lord at all you see a Lord means that every area you're surrendered and submitted to him but now maybe there's someone in this place this morning you haven't even entered the doorway you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life well, that's, that's the beginning. That's where the starting place is right there. Amen. If you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to come down to this altar, and I want to pray with you to receive him. You don't know how many days, how many hours, how many breaths you have in your lungs. And I'll tell you right now, brother, I'll tell you right now, sister, you don't want to leave this earth without making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Because you'll wake up in the fiery pits of hell with no chance of coming back. Now maybe there's some in here, you've been a Christian for a while. You know, you know all the talk. You can talk the talk, but you haven't been walking the walk. Today is the day to rededicate your life to the Lord. And if the Holy Ghost is tugging on your heart and you know who you are, I want you to come down to this altar and I want to help you start that new beginning with God.
Maybe there's someone here, you've been a Christian, you're saved, you've been a Christian for a while, but you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus said you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of your spirit. But now the Holy Ghost wants to come upon you to make you a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul met some believers who were saved, and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? What do you mean? Didn't I receive it all when I got saved? Paul said, no. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Look it up for yourself in Acts 19. If you want to receive the Holy Ghost baptism today, I want you to come down to this altar, and I want to pray with you to receive him, the Holy Ghost baptism, to be immersed in the Spirit of God. Now, maybe there's someone here who needs a physical healing in their body. Maybe you need a, a miracle in your life. Maybe you just need someone to agree with you about a situation in your life. Maybe you have a bondage, a stronghold in your life. Maybe you're one of them who has an anger problem, rage problem. Whatever. I want to open up the altar for you. And those of you, I want you, if you're willing to commit to the Lord this morning, to live that life of obedience to Him, I want you to come to this altar and commit that to him. God, not my will. Today could be your garden of Gethsemane. Are you willing to say, Father, not my will, but your will be done? If that's you, I want this altar filled with the Christians who are going to say that today. Those who are unashamed to get out of their seats and say that and declare it before the angels of heaven, before the enemy, before your heavenly Father.
Just raise your hand and I want to pray, pray over you. If there's anyone who has a bondage stronghold in your life.
just play that song again if you would. Are you going to be a part of it? 
Are you going to help it? Or are you, are you going to promote it? Or are you going to be one of those that hinder the move of God in this area? Oh, I hear the Spirit of God saying that. Hallelujah. We're moving forward with you, God. Your will be done. That Jesus would be glorified in our lives. Hallelujah. Give you praise. Yes, Lord. Give you praise. Well, thank the Lord for what he's done today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. I know some major strong, strongholds were broken today. And those who committed to the Lord, I believe you're going to see an increase of the anointing in your life. I felt that yesterday. I just didn't tell you that. As I was walking yesterday, I heard the Lord say, those who come up for that altar call, they're going to notice an increased anointing upon their life. But I didn't tell you that. Because sometimes people just want to do things just for what God can give them. God says, no, you come forward for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Brother, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Thank you so much for coming today. Have a blessed week. Come on back on Wednesday night. We're on, uh, oh, we're still on tape number two of The Authority of the Believer by, uh, by Kenneth Hagin. Are you guys all enjoying it, those who are coming on Wednesdays? It's powerful. Amen. So come on back. Have a blessed week. If you need anything, Give us a holler and uh, invite people to that healing meeting. There's, there's handouts on the back. Take as many as you want. Bring the people in. Amen? God bless you.